I'm Grace. And I'm Amy. And you're listening to our podcast. Yes, good. Where we delve back into our childhoods with a Star Wars movie. <laughs> so this week, kind of in honor of the fact that the new... Um, trailers. All of the trailers. But what's the movie called? Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Um, because Rise of Skywalker's trailer came out and The Mandalorian is coming out soon, we figured we would watch a Star Wars movie, so we watched Solo. Yay. Uh, which, if you were unaware what Solo is, it is an origin movie about Han Solo set ten years before A New Hope. If you don't speak Star Wars, that is episode four, the first movie that ever came out about... Luke Skywalker. Classic Star Wars. If you do heavily speak Star Wars, don't add us. We know, okay? <laughs> it's fine. Um, so the premise is that Han and his first love live on a planet that is kind of a ruled by crime. And they find a way to get off the planet and are separated in the process. And then as Han attempts to return to get her back from the planet where they grew up, he kind of becomes a part of the larger crime smuggling world in the Star Wars universe um, and becomes the smuggler that we come to know then in episode four that Luke meets. Yeah. <laughs> um, What's your background with this, Amy? And with Star Wars in general? Um, I've seen all the Star Wars movies multiple times, um, and I've seen all the newer stuff as well. Um, so I saw everything that predates my birth and postdates my birth. <laughs> um, I saw Solo for the first time um, several months after it came out, because I saw it at home uh, by getting it out of Redbox, and then this would have been my second viewing of Solo. Uh, this is the first time I've seen Solo. Um, I was meaning to, actually. I actually really did want to see this one when it came out, and then didn't, because, like, I don't go to the movies that often, because I'm broke. Um. Movies cost money. Movies cost money. Uh, but yeah, same with Star Wars. I grew up watching all the films, but, uh, to be honest, I didn't like them as much as, like, Lord of the Rings and other series that were, like, we would... Cat interruption. That we would marathon as a family. Um, so I have I have seen uh, all of the Star Wars films, um, but I don't think I've seen all of them more than once. And I definitely don't remember <laughs> them as distinct entities. Um, I think that's like an interesting thing that happens when you like binge watch movies in your childhood. Because um, I have that with Lord of the Rings, where I cannot <laughs> tell you what happens singularly in any of those movies, except that they leave the Shire in the first one, and the ring is destroyed in the last one. <laughs> That's all I've got. One of them's called The Two Towers. Like, within well, that... There you, go. you have a fact about each of them. <laughs> okay. Because uh, it's like, within the series, like, if you show me scenes, I can tell you what happens in those scenes. I know the names of some of the battles, because I watch them on YouTube when I need inspiration and to get in the groove for writing an action scene in my own stuff um but like if you were like amy in which movie do they like go into the place with all those ghosts i'm just like fuck if i know it's return of the king i think <laughs> i was I, I say that but like as much as i love lord of the rings the last two also blur together for me because we either watch fellowship of the ring 
Or we watched all three of them. So Two Towers <laughs> and Return of the King blur for me. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I am with some of the Star Wars. Like, as the uh, universe keeps getting bigger and they elaborate on certain details, they become more distinctive for me. But yeah, I couldn't tell you when in the series some things happen. Because obviously I know everything with Anakin is episode one through three, you know, and like all of that kind of stuff. But as far as like, Oh, in which episode did Luke visit this planet? I'll be like, I can tell you what that planet looks like and, like, the aesthetic of it, but I don't know which movie it's in necessarily. Fair. Um, and I know, like, the second one, he spends the majority of his time with Yoda and, like, stuff like that, but... Oh, yeah, that's the one with, like, the bog and the backpack and stuff. Yeah. It? Yeah. I do want... All of the Yoda memes. All the Yoda memes. I want to rewatch them, and I kind of want to do, like, the optimal viewing thing, like, because everyone has their different take on, like, when you should view them. Like, should mm-hmm. you watch 4, 5, 6, then 1, 2, 3? Also, don't watch the remastered ones. Uh, I don't know if that's an unpopular opinion or not, but don't watch them. Aren't the- isn't everyone mad about the remastered ones because it, like, adds in someone's Force Ghost and, like- well, Han shot first, yeah, that kind of thing. Han shot first. There's extra scenes that randomly have, like, horrible CGI in them because they tried to <laughs> CGI in new aliens, but, like, it, oh, they don't yeah, yeah, match yeah. because they're not, like, the constructed ones on set. And just, like, it's not worth it for what they added. Like, it just, it's not good. And I don't understand why they changed the Han shot first thing. I think they wanted to make him more, like, They want to make likeable. him more likable rather than, like, a pure rogue. But, like... Pure rogues are such good characters. I, I mean, this is speaking from somebody who, like, fucking loves Red Dead Redemption. Like, I love morally gray characters. Yeah, that's not as family-friendly, though. And I think that's the thing, when... Star Wars became a fam- Became fam- a family-friendly thing. Yeah. yeah. When it... Safe, like, family-friendly franchise five times fast. Family-friendly franchise, family-friendly franchise, family-friendly franchise, family-friendly franchise, family-friendly franchise. You can't see it, but I just gave Grace a very impressed look. <laughs> I got skills, y'all. That's why they pay me the... The no bucks. Slightly above minimum wage bucks. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, we make no money from this podcast, so the no bucks. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay, so overall, just like, briefly, what are your feelings about this movie? Is it like an eh, or an uh, or a ooh? I would go for ooh. Can we create that as, like, an overall rating system to use at the beginning of the podcast? An eh, or an uh, or an ooh? Um, I think we should add one more to be, like, completely positive, because for me, ooh is, like... I was intrigued. Yeah, I was intrigued by it. The last one is, ah, like the little aliens in Toy Story. And that Ah, means that you loved it. If you go, ah. Yeah. So I'll go I am the chosen one. Goodbye. I'm off to a better life. (laughs) Makes a vague Toy Story reference. You have saved our lives. We, we are eternally grateful. grateful. It's when a movie becomes a hyperfixation. You have saved our life. I'm eternally grateful. <laughs> anyway, I'm gonna me say me playing Red Dead. How many Red Dead uh, references can I make? Take a shot every time Amy makes a Red Dead. Reference. Don't do that. However, for fulfilling our checklist, hello SG, hello Antonio. <laughs> There we go. What else do we have to do before the end of this podcast? Talk about the fucking movie, that's what. (laughs) (laughs) Back to the topic at hand. How did you feel? I would say, ooh, because, like, I did want to see it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'd seen it referenced a lot um, by this YouTube, by Outside Extra. Talked about it a lot when it came out. Um, 
And so I was like, yeah, I kind of want to see it. But also, I, I think I'm getting, like, franchise fatigue with Star Wars at this point. We watched the Rise of Skywalker trailer right before recording it, this. Um, and, like, I know when the trailer dropped, I saw it, like, pretty much immediately hyped on Twitter. And I was like, eh, not going to watch it. I just wasn't interested enough. And, like, some of my coworkers have been talking about it and are really excited. And that's great. And I'm very happy for them because new trailers are very exciting. But I just haven't cared and I was telling Amy right before this that, like, I can't, I want to see Rise of Skywalker, but I want to just live in a void until it comes out so I don't have to deal with anyone's thoughts or opinions or reactions. Because, like, no matter where you stand on it, I'm just kind of tired of hearing about Star Wars. Mm-hmm. And I think part I of it's... I think... Go ahead. That's kind of why I'm excited for The Mandalorian is because it's, like, the opposite of them, like, continuing to, like milk the characters that, like, we're kind of eh about at this point. And I don't know if that's, like, a super hot take to say that we're, like, eh about the characters in, like, the new ongoing series. Yeah. Um, but I'm just, I was just so, like, not charmed by, uh, The Last Jedi Mm -hmm. that... Even though I watched the new trailer the day it came out, I was like, I don't know if I'm excited for this. And it's like, I'm at a point where I'm excited by seeing references. When they showed the Death Star in the water where it's like crashed onto the planet, like that excites me where I'm like, oh shit, they found the Death Star. Like stuff like that is cool. But, like, I'm not invested in the characters that I'm supposed to be invested in at this point. So then watching the Mandalorian trailer, because it's, like, a brand new character, it's, like, exciting again because it's, like, another chance that hopefully I'm gonna like this character they're choosing to explore. Right. Um, I think that's how I felt about Solo, too. Um, which, like, is such a credit to the original trilogy that, like, they have all of these, like, secondary, tertiary, side characters, whoever, mm-hmm. that, like, years, decades later, they can make films about and everyone's really right. pumped for them. Like, and that's the a sign of a really... don't have that as much. Yes. It's, like, a sign of a really well-fleshed-out universe is that you're giving us characters we want to learn more about. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the effect of, like, you create fandom by giving people, like enough material to connect with and then enough to keep exploring on their own like if you create a universe that incites fan fiction like you've done a really great job because that means that your universe feels tactile enough and like familiar enough for them to continue to explore it yeah and star wars originally did that but then now with the new series because they're trying to get in so many references they almost, like, aren't creating enough new material to keep it interesting. Like, they used to have all of these, like, characters who just showed up for, like, a couple scenes that seemed really interesting. And now the characters who show up for a couple scenes are characters we've already seen. They're not creating new interesting characters. And I think that's, like, it's such a double-edged sword because that creates such a good hype for it. Mm -hmm. And it gets people really excited. And I think that's why people like Force Awakens a lot. And then immediately, like, you just get tired of of it after a while. So, yeah. So, Mm -hmm. like, for the trailer for Rise of Skywalker, all of the references and stuff are super exciting and get people hyped. But, like, when we actually go see it, is there going to be anything more than that to it? Or is it just going to be stuff we've seen before? Right. Because... What was the first movie with Rey in it called? Force Awakens. 
Yeah, when Force Awakens came out, really need a list in front of us. When Force Awakens came out, um, I think the interest was that they were giving us this whole new cast that was somehow connected to the yeah. old one. And now that that cast isn't new to us anymore, it's just like, oh, well, like, now they're just going to show us, like, another Sith Lord and, you know, we're going to see, like, this commander on the dark side that is from, like, the old movie and... Yeah. Because um, every character that was new in The Force Awakens are still the only, like, new character material in that three-movie series. Oh my gosh, you're right. They aren't giving us new characters that stick around or that we connect to. I guess they gave us the one girl that went on the journey with Finn. The in... general, not general, but, like, rebel leader person. Yeah. She's, oh, no, no, you're talking about two different people. Yeah, I'm talking I know, about, you're the, talking about the Rose. Asian girl. Rose, yeah. Um, but, like, Rose was really interesting, and I think people did really love her character, but they didn't really give us, like, enough material with her for people to connect outside of seeing right. representation. But they didn't flesh her out. So here's my thing with the newest trilogy. I adored Force Awakens. I loved it. And I think that if Rise Rise of the Jedi... We no. have such different feelings about that movie. See, I loved Force Awakens. And I, I agree with you. I don't really like The Last Jedi. Oh! Oh! I'm getting things mixed up. Yeah, yes, you are. I don't like The Last Jedi. Okay, good. First there we one go. with Rey, okay. though. Did yes. you like it? Yes. Okay, I adored it. And I think the thing is, like, all of those characters were really well done and really fleshed out. And the old they also characters... Felt like Star Wars characters. Yeah, and the old characters we saw were different. So, like, we saw Han and Chewie, and they were basically the same, but it's, like, more of Han's life. We don't know a lot about it, and so it's more people well, he and met. Well, we find out that, like, him and Leia him are and together. Him and Leia are together anymore. Leia's yeah. a general now. Like, all the old characters we see are doing different things, so we are getting to see them in a different point of their lives, which makes them new. And I think they... They didn't do anything to change the characters in The Last Jedi. Mm -hmm. Like, I think if anyone, Kylo Ren changed the most. And no one likes Kylo Ren. No one in their right mind likes him or his character arc. A lot of straight girls really like him. No one in their right mind likes him or his... And I stand by that. Um, yeah, because my issue with... Because like, I was thinking about this watching the trailer for the new one. Um, my issue with Kylo at this point is that they keep making him, trying to make him be, like, this torn person who doesn't know what he wants to do or what's right, and all of his, like, troubles are clouding his mind. And they're trying to do, like, a Prince Zuko redemption arc, but the thing is, each time that Zuko went back and forth and, like, changed sides and alliances made sense. There was something that caused it. You know, it's like he goes back to being Prince Zuko and then he goes and sees Iroh in jail and realizes, like, I'm doing wrong. Yeah. And so, like, they give him reasons that he flips. And I feel like every time that Kylo Ren flips, we don't really know why necessarily. They don't give us as concrete reasons, and that's why his redemption arc isn't working for me. Yeah, I honestly, because I've only seen The Last Jedi... I've only seen it once. Same. I didn't really catch why they suddenly were teamed up together in that red room. Just basically because they had their, like, force connection where they were seeing each other. That's not enough. 
Yeah, like, that was kind of it, where it was, like, enough for him to trust Rey to decide to turn, and then he, immediately after he kills the Sith Lord and they go through that whole fight, the next scene, he is, like, back on the side with the dark. Yeah. On the dark side. It's, like, so the vibe I got from it is, like, and correct me if I'm completely wrong, but it was, like, he's kind of just choosing his own side, I guess, and he's, like... Like, becoming a third party. Yeah, which exists in the expanded universe, and I know a lot of people who would love to see gray Jedis and, like, other parts of the spectrum Um, exist in the cinematic universe. Imagine, like, rogue Jedis. Yeah. Where they're just out there, like, doing, uh, what's it called... What do they call superheroes when they don't like them? Vigilantes? Yes. Vigilante Jedis. That's something I want. Yeah. And, like, stuff like that exists in the expanding universe. Um, and, but it's, like, it didn't make sense. And I think the other thing is, like, Kylo Ren never sees consequences for his actions. And he never, we never see him feeling any kind of remorse or anguish. And the thing with, like, going back to Zuko, because he's, like, the model of a redemptive arc for a villain, like... Every time he's changed sides, no matter which side he was going to, he felt some sort of anguish. Like, mm-hmm. there was something he was losing, it hurt him, and he had to work through that to figure out what was right and what was wrong. Kylo Ren just, like, jumps that line all the time and doesn't feel anything. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing, too, is that Zuko had, like, bigger baddies that he was going to be punished by. And so that was, like, an overhanging thing. And although they show us bigger baddies for Kylo because there's, like, a Sith Lord, we never see Kylo have to face, like, the Sith Lord and, like, learn a lesson. Like, he never has caused physical harm or anything. He's just kind of, like, smack on the back of the hand. And so... Like, Rey beats him up in Force Awakens, right? But that's it. And then we see that his, like, crew all fear him when he's, like, beating up the chair and they're just like, we're not gonna mess with that. Like, he has fits of anger. So, like, we're not given any reason to, like... Like, you don't feel for him. Yeah. Like, he kills his father and stuff and we don't see anything that's supposed to... Like, that really makes us feel for him unless you, like, inherently feel for, like, tortured male characters. Um, But, like, without, like, a stronger basis for, like, giving us a reason to feel for him... Like, they're not giving me a strong enough basis right now. And I think that would have been fine if he... We weren't supposed to sympathize with him. And we really are, I think. And we're just not. Like, if they left it off where it was at the end of Force Awakens, where, like, we know where he came from. We know his backstory. We know that it's, like, this whole legacy filled with switching sides and balance of the Force and blah, 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 Skywalker stuff. And, and it turns out, in the end, he kills Han. He is actually permanently on the dark side. That's a really good villain origin story. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, you're, and it wouldn't be asking us to feel sympathy for him because, like, he was the bad guy. The next two movies are going to be spent defeating him. Mm-hmm. But, like, no. It, they immediately took... It's like they took... And, like, this is the problem with having different direction, directors. But they immediately, like, took that back and were like, just kidding. That's not where this is going to go. And it's like, what are you... I, they've done too much in the first two episodes. I don't know who the villain is anymore. Mm-hmm. I know who I want the and villain think, to be. I want it to be Kylo and I want him to die. 
but I don't know what they're gonna do. I think part of the problem too is that they're riding so much on like the Skywalker name and wondering if Rey's a Skywalker and I feel like in order to bank so much of this series on the Skywalker name we need to know who the Skywalker they're talking about is because does that mean that the rise of Skywalker is going to be like Kylo Ren his rise to like being good or does that mean that like Rey's a Skywalker like they've just left that so like weirdly yeah. unanswered and especially since they spent most of the second movie um talking about like Rey's origin and still not actually telling us like who her parents are I'm like they think that that's the ultimate question in a good way and it's the ultimate question in a bad way to me yeah I really I remember like when they were like oh Rey's parents were nobody like Kylo tells her that and I remember being relieved because I'm like I'm not that I'm sick of the Skywalkers, but I want her to not be part of it. There are other, like, you're telling me in this whole expanded universe, and we keep focusing on the Skywalkers. Right. Like... Well, the other thing, too, is the only reason that I was going to think it was cool that Rey is technically a Skywalker would be getting to have, like, a cool, like, familial relationship between her and Kylo of some kind of like they both help the other in like interesting ways but it's not romantic at all mm -hmm. like that basically like the incest taboo was the only reason that I was interested in Rey being a Skywalker because it would mean that they would not make her and Kylo <laughs> romantic and then it would just get to be like a really interesting dynamic like air quotes friendship between them but like a friendship in that like they would both be helping the other to like survive and learn in this like very convoluted world yeah. that they're trying to navigate yeah i um, would take it for that yeah we should talk more about the movie that we actually watched we though. should so um okay I kind of want to get into my main grievance with this movie, just because I think that's something we're going to hash out for a chunk of time. Yeah. But my main grievance is that I think that this movie got sidetracked by trying to make too many references in Easter eggs. Oh, it absolutely did. Thank they you. got so caught up in being like, reference, 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 that they forgot that they should have been telling a story that stood alone. Yeah, okay. On that point, I thought that the actual plot of the movie kicked in in the last half hour. When yeah. there's, like, the reveal of who the pirates are, which, by the way, don't know the actress's name, but I am 100% in love with the lead pirate, space pirate chick. Space pirates. God, she took off her helmet, and I was like, why isn't she the protagonist mm -hmm. of this movie? Because, one, she's gorgeous, but also, mm -hmm. two, she's wonderful. I think this movie got very lost in... It's like they came up with a plot, mm -hmm. and then they were like, oh, but we need to explain how Han became who he is, and then just smashed them together, but they didn't actually come up with a plot that inherently told that. They just, like, forced them together. So, to me, if they were going to introduce the, like, all of our uh, people have been, like, killed by the Empire, and we are now, like, a menagerie pirate in group in space those people needed to be better established and be established for longer the fact that yeah. we only find out about like this huge third party kind of deal with like yeah 30 minutes left in the movie and then everything that happens after that because also like all of there's too many twists in this movie for me mm -hmm. where it's like oh uh 
but his first love did get off the planet. Oh, but she's part of this crime syndicate. Oh, but she's turning on them. Oh, but she's not. Oh, oh but, but she, she did. Is. Oh, now she's the big baddie. Like, there's too many twists for me. Yeah. It's just like, they got caught up in thinking that... It's like, it's like the how do we with murder thing. And I think we've talked about this on the podcast before. Where there's a difference between doing a twist just for the shock value of no one could have guessed it. And doing a twist where it's like, I laid the groundwork, but nobody put two and two together until they saw the twist. Yeah. And this it does the bad thing of just doing twists for, to be like, ooh, but people like shock. It, yeah. Oh my gosh. The entire last portion of this, with the, like, meeting up with all the characters again and the crime syndicate and the space pirates, was, like, the worst kind of exposition and, like, a textbook example of the told without showing mm-hmm. it, and like so much of it good. doesn't really make sense where like Woody Harrelson's character is just going to like walk off onto like the desert with the like element yeah. and him being like I told you not to trust anybody and like all this stuff like they're trying to do callbacks but that aren't working they're trying to do twists that aren't working they're trying to make references that aren't working it made no sense I sorry I just like fixated on this it made yes. no sense for Woody Harrelson's character to die no or for them to have a shootout at all mm-hmm. also can we talk about the fact that his like wife died for just like shock value uh, I do have a huge problem with how women are treated in this movie, yes. Oh, yes. This movie 100% thought that they were being, like, super feminist, and they're not. Not at <laughs> They all. thought that they were, but then, like, all of the women are treated really badly, except for Amelia Clark, and then she ends up to be, like, the biggest bad. So, like, I don't know if that counts. She was- She does She get- still wasn't portrayed super well, because it was such a, like- She's constantly, like, on the arm of some man. On the arm of some man, used as motivation for some man. Um, Like, any agency that she has. Like, oh, she did manage to make it off the planet. Oh, but she's still, like, a slave under someone else. because she became a crime syndicate member. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, she did make the choice for herself. Actually, she's still working for another man. And, like, I, I, um, I don't know. Yeah. Well, and all of the stuff with L3, was that her name? Her name was L3, and I have thoughts. So (laughs) we're going to go back to your original point before this. No, I think we, like, did okay. Okay. Like, we'll revisit it more as we just talk through stuff. But, yeah, okay, so the thing with L3 is that her humor Mm -hmm. is really good, like, millennial Gen Z feminist humor. And then... They treated her like a giant joke of a feminist kind of Thank like. Thank you. Like they were oh making fun of activism the whole time, but thinking yeah. that that was something that activists would enjoy. Yeah. So then she was just this very confused character where they were trying to make her appeal to people who like activism, and she doesn't because they're essentially making fun of it, and they're making fun of it to appeal to the like anti-women being in Star Wars dude bros. Yeah. Oh and my so gosh. she's just this super lost character where they were trying to appeal to two groups and not appealing to either, I don't think. The 
only good thing about her is that Lando does genuinely care for her. But That's even, the like, only good thing, and even then, it's not that great. It's not that great, because he also has the line, and I literally wrote it down, because it was, it, like, made me feel so gross, but he was, like, at one point, Lando's like, oh, yeah, I'd have her memory wiped, but, like, she has the best so it's like navigation he in the system. Owns he owns her. He owns her. He's objectifying her. His value in, that he sees in her is only, she's like, her like, useful theme. very, very weirdly objectified, where, like, the whole scene where she's like, I can't do it while you're watching and stuff. Yeah. And then also, like, just the way that her droid design is with her, like, very wide set, like, hips and everything. I had such a problem. Like, that just, like, oh, it made me feel so weird. Like, yeah. Like, no droid she's... has looked like that before. She's such an uncomfortable character. And then, too, okay, so I have a really, like, weird feelings about, like, ships being named after women because of all the, like, objectification of, like, valued objects to men are named after right. women. So then for her to interface with the ship and they're like, she is the ship now. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, so the Millennium Falcon is just, like, now the droid so that, like, she is literally just an object yeah. that assists them in, like, what they- and just helps when they need it. I had so many mixed feelings about that. Because on the one hand, if you think about it, like, they said it and, like, the music- in that moment, and the way they said it had such a reverence to it, so it could mm -hmm. be, I think it was it, supposed to be taken as a spiritual theme, mm -hmm. which is what she would have wanted, because it is a very is, briefly beautiful moment. Yes. But, but once you start thinking about exactly. it, exactly, it gets bad. Yeah. And it's like, she would have wanted that spiritual thing, where, like, she is looking over the ship now. But that's not it. The thing is, they took her <laughs> apart to plug her useful bit into the ship and like they're she's in the mainframe now she's being used purely as a robot no personality left right and that's so fucked up with the fact that at the beginning how we're introduced to her is her fighting for like robot rights which by the way have we ever seen that in a star wars film before because there are there's a lot of philosophical implications in this movie that are just like underhanded with her because like okay mm -hmm. here's the thing she knocks off a restraining bolt of one of the other robots, and it's like, there, you're liberated, be free. And suddenly that robot has its personality back. That implies that it has a personality that has to be overridden to do anything, which implies that they do have, like, I mean, like, and it's probably been explained with, like, personality cores or chips or whatever. It's probably been, like, pseudo-sciencey, ex scientifically explained. Mm -hmm. But this just, like, made that so much more up front and now I'm sitting here like should we be worried about a droid liberation front are some droids treated as slaves like is this a concept well, that they're pulling into the Star Wars universe that makes me think that all of the droids that we see working for the Empire have some kind of like mind control put on them yeah. or they're designed in a way where they never like create a personality like they're like toned down droids so that they won't like Revolt. Mm -hmm. Well, and she says she's like says to one of them in the fighting ring that they've been like neuron washed or something. I think I might have missed that. It's something like that. I think which like implies that you can brainwash a droid to do your bidding. That also does make sense though with the fact that like they are made from like machinery, which like we don't understand the human brain enough to brainwash people because we don't understand human psychology to a T. However, if you have the technology to literally make a robot that can think for itself, then you understand the technology enough to then limit it. 
Yeah. So, like, that does make sense that they could figure out how to brainwash robots because we, as people, have to know enough to make them. Yeah. It's just weird that, like, this is how they choose to bring it up. Like, I think no one, like, just thought, took a minute to think about, like, the implications of bringing forth a robot liberation movement. And I feel like if you're gonna bring that into this universe, you really have to think about what you're doing there. And Mm -hmm. just no one thought about it. It opens up the, like, the universe... In a way that I don't think that they, yeah, realize the implications of it all. Um, yeah, that whole scene when they go to the mine is very thought-provoking. There's a lot that happens with, like, Chewie rescuing the other, um, uh, what are his Wookies. people called? Wookies. Yeah. Yeah, with Chewie rescuing the other Wookies and then having to leave them and choosing to go with Han instead after he was already, like, like Chewie was in jail i'm assuming that like he ended up in like that pit by being arrested and then deciding because he's a different race that he would be like a plaything. yeah which is once again real fucked up there's a lot of between like that scene the robot fights the all the slavery and the mine like they really were just like, let's show them all the bad parts of this universe and make it all seem like it's slavery in America. Which, God, yeah. Which Star Wars has never really shied away from. Right. They've We've always, always shown that the that. universe is kind of fucked up. Yeah. Which is, it's a universe in tor- turmoil because they're in this constant war, basically. I think the thing with the new movies and with Solo is that, like, Instead of, and I'm going off the prequel trilogy because that's what I remember the most of, um, but like in episode one, you get like young Anakin's kind of like desperation to go out and fix the universe, and you get the idea that like Jedis are there to stop slavery, and uh, Padme is like, this is wrong, there shouldn't still be slavery in the outer planets, and you have this ideal of like, there are bad parts of the universe and we are going to fix them, mm-hmm. and like that kind of like. I, I don't know. There's just, like, well, okay, this I- so, idealism to it that mm-hmm. we don't get anymore. It's, it's just like, kind of like, oh, look, it's bad. How bad is that? Isn't that bad? Like, with no... Right. No one's trying to fix it. They're just there. Mm, I think part of it is that Anakin is, like, a city kid. So his equivalent is, like, a kid who grows up in a city and from, like, a young age is exposed to, like, liberal ideas um, and he also seems like he's of a generation that is, like, the change causers. Because you have one of those every, like, X amount of yeah. generations. You have one that pushes things and changes everything. And I think he's one of those generations. And then you have Luke, who grows up on a more rural planet. And that doesn't mean that he's, like, on the same quote, planet. Are they? I think so, yeah. Okay, well, he doesn't grow up, up in a city. Yeah. Well, yeah. he doesn't grow up in a city. So you have Luke, then, who doesn't grow up in a city... And is very much, like, kept at home by his aunt and uncle because, like, they know why, like, he can't, like, yeah. they don't know, no, but, like, they get, they know that something can happen if he's, like, out there on other planets and, like, having fun. And so, he's very sheltered. And not that that means he's conservative, but, like, instead we see him, like, go out and then be exposed to everything and realize this needs to change. And then with these people, we don't see them being, like, those young, like, not to keep saying activists, but, like, they're kind- We don't see these people being young activists, because instead of, like, 
being exposed to badness and wanting to change it because they aren't like like I think the difference is that both Luke and Anakin don't like those bad things but aren't directly um the victims of it Anakin was a slave Okay, I have not seen episode one in a very long time. So Anakin was asleep, and that's why he wanted to become a Jedi, and he wanted to come back to Tatooine and free all of it. And all of it was, like, young idealism, and then Padme, like, as a young queen, realizing that, like, outside of her kingdom, this stuff still goes on. But there's such a- and, and it's, it's because the Jedi Order is still in place, but there's such a, like, this stuff should not exist while we are in power trying to do the right thing. And that's, it, it, there's just no, and it's because it's a rogue movie. It's because it's about Han Solo rather than, like, a Jedi. Um, but, like, I think that's also part of the new series as well with Rey is that, like, there's no great, there's not as much of a greater good to it. Mm-hmm. And the, the conflict in the new series is so focused on Rey and Kylo and what the two of them are going to do and where they're going to end up mm-hmm. rather than, like, here are the rebels, Luke joined the rebels, and it becomes a personal conflict because he finds out Vader is his dad. But, mm-hmm. like, it's such a, I want They're... to go out and see the world and fix it. Right. Vibe. It's like Luke and Vader's conflict is personal after we find out that relationship, but exists before that. Yeah. And also, then it just becomes symbolic of what they, the result of their conflict will cause for the rest of the universe. With Rey and Kylo... They didn't, I don't think, focus on how their conflict is going to affect the rest of the universe because they think that we are getting what we need about the rest of the universe from Finn and Poe's storylines and the fact that they will individually follow those characters outside of Rey. Versus, like, in episode one through six, I, off the top of my head, can only think of, like, a couple very short scenes where we follow characters that are not Anakin and Luke. And they're always just, like, brief, like, you need to know that the dark side became aware of something. You know, they're, like, those kind of scenes. Or, like, you need to know that Padme, like, something's happening to her. But, like, they don't follow those characters for an entire storyline of their own. Yeah, because that's another reason that why The Last Jedi just sucked. Because, like, none of the main characters were together. Yeah. They were all doing different things. And it's like, you covered three storylines in in one one movie. movie. And none of them were that solid. No, because there were three of them. Mm-hmm. Also, there's just so much forced dialogue in that movie that I hate. Oh, the dialogue don't remember was so any badly of the written. Dialogue, which is so sad okay. because Star Wars is such a quotable movie. My absolute least favorite piece of dialogue in The Last Jedi is when Finn is using the binoculars and looking down at the racetrack with the horses, and Rose is like, now look closer, and then he sees the badness of, like, the stable boy and the horses being beaten. Oh, yeah. I hate that so much. As it's so Finn forced. I wouldn't see that initially to begin because with. Because he was, like, a slave soldier. Oh my god, I never clocked that before. But no, yeah, it pisses right. me off so much. That line of dialogue is so fucking bad. Also, having somebody say, now look closer is such a fucking cliche. Like, what is this? Like, an Dickinson novel. It's Rafiki. No. Look hard. (laughs) Sorry, I want to watch The Lion King. Listen to our episode entitled Roasty Toasty Princess, please. Roasty Toasty Princess. Roasty Toasty Princess. Um. But anyway, Solo was okay. Yeah. Um. Okay, okay, here's my question. It left off with Kira going and joining, like, 
Darth Maul Part 2, right? Yes. Are they trying to set it up for a sequel? Do they understand that no one's here to follow Kira's storyline? I don't and know. Like, no I genuinely don't know. I'm, I'm so confused by that, because what is the point of setting that up for a singular movie, and we know how it ends, because in ten years, Han's gonna meet Luke and Leia, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, and Kira doesn't show up anymore. So, like, what? And we don't know who that Darth Maul is, right? Because it's right. not Darth Maul. I don't think so. It can't be, otherwise, unless he has prosthetic legs. He does survive getting his legs cut off, so... Oh, does but you, he? Yeah. He falls down a hole. No, I was reading stuff online, he survives that. Whoa. Yeah. God, the expanded universe is intense. Yeah. Um. Okay, so, this kind of plays into, like, Star Wars at large, but as a point I realized upon rewatching this movie. Why, in a universe where... You travel between planets, like, traveling between, like, cities or countries for us. Is it so rare to find people with ships and people who can fly ships? Why is that such a stressed upon thing where they're like, but I'm a really good pilot? It's like, I feel like that's the same thing as, like, us being like, I'm a really good driver to try and convince people to go on a road trip. (laughs) Like, everyone should be, almost everybody should be able to fly a ship between planets. I think... It's more like it would have been, like, a hundred years ago to travel between countries, Mm -hmm. where theoretically you could, but you had to have money or be a sailor, and not everyone was those things. So I always see it as, like, especially because it's such an impoverished universe, um, and it's that kind of, like, garbage sci-fi aesthetic that we were talking about in whatever episode it was. Um, I think that, like people don't get to leave very often. It's just the same people leaving over and over again. It's Han making 12 trips a day to whatever planet he wants to, but, like, Luke doesn't get to leave his planet until he's, like, 19 or something. Okay. I guess that makes more sense. But it just, like, suddenly hit me where I'm like, it makes sense for people, like, announcing and thinking it's a good thing that they're a pilot when they're pitching themselves as, like, a fighter because, like, yeah, you need, like, and, you know, people in the air to cover you. So it makes sense for, like, Poe to always be, like, I'm a good pilot, though, and yeah. stuff like that. But I'm like, why is it so, like, impressive just to be able to fly a ship? Because even if you're not going between planets, people still fly ships on their own planet. Like, Luke, who yeah. doesn't really leave his town, still knows how is to fly still a, a pilot, ship. Yeah. So I'm like, isn't almost everyone a pilot? Yeah. It also, it feels- But is it, like, the difference where it's, like, driving manual versus stick, where, like, only certain people know how to do certain kinds of driving? I'm a pilot, then! Yeah. Um, but it, it also feels weird as a writing choice to have the repeated line, I'm a pilot, this close to The Force Awakens coming out, like, they we get use it. it so much in this universe, where, like, it's always a stressed-upon thing that somebody yeah. is a good pilot. And it makes sense for Poe, because it was like, Finn needed a pilot to get off the ship. He mm-hmm. needed a damn good pilot. And right. Poe is one of the best pilots in the Rebel Alliance. Like, mm-hmm. that made sense. For Solo, how was he a pilot? He was a, like, trench trash soldier. Right, like, he can drive the, like, essentially the car, like, the hover car on the planet that they're on. God, I loved that car. It was so bad. Yeah. But, like, yeah, why does he know how to fly, like, an actual ship when it's supposed to be that they're, like, stuck there because they're a part of, like, the crime and, like, all of the, like, tarnishedness of that world? I thought it was supposed to be him kind of, like, bluffing his way into the cockpit, kind of, but then it's, like... 
she I don't know. It, can fly a ship. It didn't make sense for it to be a point. Mm-hmm. Like, we like, know this Han is a been, pilot. This would have been a much richer movie if we watched Han learn and realize that he could fly a ship well and, like, become a pilot. Ooh. Like, an origin story that's not, like, how we became personality-wise the person we see in episode four, but instead is, like, this is how he got into the line, like, of work because he, like, learned to fly a ship and realized he was good at it and enjoyed it. Instead of that being, like, a part of his personality that we get from the get-go, that being the thing that evolves. Because instead all we got to evolve was him being, like, ooh, being a, like, for hire, like, crime person is cool and also everybody double crosses you in the end which does explain why he's kind of like a dick in the original series Mm -hmm. but like i don't know it's like not that good character development that they gave him it doesn't work that well and i will say i like the point where i think it's kira who like basically tells him no buddy i'm sorry but you're the good guy and he gets kind of offended I like that point, because that's Han's character in a nutshell. Like, he is the good guy. He keeps doing the good thing and thinks that he's not a good guy. Yeah. Oh my god, he's Arthur Morgan. I like my Arthur Morgans, I guess. This is a point I wrote down. I enjoyed this as, like, the callback to the old school rogue who is not a good person, is definitely neutrally aligned, has lots of skills... Didn't has lots of language skills. Like, it's mm-hmm. such a good... Would shoot first. Would shoot first. It's such a good classic neutral rogue. And it was done very well, and I very mm-hmm. much enjoyed that. But, like... Yeah. I don't know. It was just, like... And, and it's, like, of course it was a girl that made him the way he was, and, like, that right. kind of Like, thing. the explanation for every, like, dickbag guy is that at some point a woman broke his it heart. It was a girl, It's, yeah. like, our responsibility that men are, like... It's not it nice. Um, also, it's part of this is me being a lesbian, and part of this is me being kind of weirded out that, like, this is a Star Wars film. No one starts in a, an established relationship, and yet there were so many established relationships at the beginning of this <laughs> At the film. beginning, you were like, there's too much kissing. <laughs> well, like, yeah, but, but like, that was, that was me joking. But in all seriousness, Star Wars films don't start with characters together. You get yeah. together after three movies of growth and fighting. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you can't you do that after three minutes. You must give us the mutual angst before <laughs> you give us the relationship. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I need the very awkward, like, he's my brother thing before we get actual relationship yeah because even like going into the new stuff like han and leia should have been an established relationship and they're not (laughs) also to quickly go back to kylo ren i think it's more interesting that leia and han's relationship broke apart over kylo going to the dark side than kylo going to the dark side (laughs) Like, I think it's more interesting to think about the implications of, like, they broke up because they were having so much difficulty reconciling what their son had become. Yeah. Like, that's such an interesting thing, which then makes, like, their son's pain just, like, a route to get to, like, their story, which isn't the greatest, but I do find it more interesting that they broke up because of that and are estranged because of that than the fact that Kylo went to the dark side. 
Yeah, well, and it's such, it gives them such, they have such a dynamic in The Force Awakens. It's such a rich, rich and there's, relationship. And it's it, it does this really great thing where, like, this estranged couple is still hopelessly in love with each other, still has so much mutual respect and admiration. Mm-hmm. And They like, don't have hard feelings for each other. They yeah. just, like, can't communicate anymore. And it's probably because there were so many emotions at one point that they couldn't articulate well enough that yeah. they, like, split up. And they, yeah, and they still have this perfect understanding of what they're going to do and am I gonna write fan fiction about Han and Leia like having fights <laughs> like it's back in the 70s and you're gonna <gasps> nail it down the street to your friend who will add the next chapter oh just <sighs> it's really well done. I like thinking about that I also and this is obviously not the fault of anyone but like the universe and possibly 2016 uh I, the new trilogy's not going to be anything near what it could have been if Carrie Fisher was still alive. Right. And, like, obviously that's nothing that we can do anything yeah. about, but, like, imagine having Leia for all three movies. Yeah, because the- and that's another thing, like, seeing the trailers for Rise of Skywalker, she's not going to have a big role in it because obviously she can't, and that's going to, like, they kind of set her up where she could have been, like, a big, she could have been a tertiary character or a secondary character in Rise of Skywalker, could mm-hmm. have been the mother figure to Rey that kind of helps her on her path since we don't have Luke anymore, we don't have Han, can't use Kylo, sorry, no thank you. Um, so, yeah. Well, and I think that, like, her death was one of those deaths that affected, like, pop culture at large, because obviously people who didn't care about Star Wars or don't pay attention to pop culture and media weren't going to, like, keep up on, like, her hospital stay and, like, her death and everything. But for anybody that cares about, like, pop culture at large, her death was, like, a huge deal. I don't remember of any of, like, the celebrities that have died in the last, like, four years being as updated about their, like, what was happening as they were, like, dying mm-hmm. as her. Because, like, David Bowie died. And I don't remember well, so hearing, like, David Bowie's in the hospital, yeah. David Bowie's stable, David Bowie's not doing well. But, like, we all knew what was happening with Carrie Fisher through, like, yeah. the three days of her, like, decline. And so, obviously, the franchise can't do anything about the fact that she died. However... I don't think that there is necessarily a way that they can recover from losing an actress who had that kind of impact on fans and pop culture. Like, there's no way that they can recover and do something that's going to feel as rich as it would if she had been in it. Because she was a super loved character and a super loved human. And I think part of that is like kind of like the Robin Williams thing. Where when people openly speak about mental illness, people connect to them in a way, especially like millennials yeah. and Gen Z kids, God, yeah. um, connect with them in a way that they're not going to connect with other celebrities. And so like, there's, there's no way for them to make a movie that would be as good as if she was in it because people aren't going to connect with it in the same way because Carrie Fisher just isn't there to connect to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's just, like, the hard truth. Real sad now. Do we want to have a moment of silence for Carrie Fisher? Yeah. Okay. Okay. What other uh, points do you have in your notes? <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Oh, one of the things I want to talk about this, especially since we watched the Mandalorian trailer, it kind of reinforced this. Mm -hmm. So, uh, first thing I said when we put this movie on was like, oh my god, it's a space western. And I hold to the fact that this does not feel like a Star Wars movie at all, in any way, shape, or form. They have Star Mm -hmm. Wars figures and characters and music, but it does not feel like a Star Wars movie. And the Mandalorian, when I was watching the trailer, felt more like an MCU movie or like a superhero movie. And it's really strange to me, because, like, Rogue One, as, like, that year's spinoff movie, felt like the most Star Wars movie to come out maybe since episode six. Yeah. Uh, I feel definitely like we since should episode three. do a, like, disclaimer of us being like, we are huge Rogue One fans. Oh, God, we are going I love to be Rogue so One. biased towards Rogue One, because, like, we both love it so much. Subversive storytelling, unique. So, okay, the thing with Rogue One is it had the perfect amount of references Mm -hmm. and new story. And they did this wonderful thing that is so hard to do and where you make a prequel and you know how it's going to end. And so you don't focus on, like, the plot itself, but you invest in the characters and mm-hmm. all, all the little details that happen like that we don't know yet. you have to, because it's predictable. So yeah. then you have to, like, make the richness somewhere that's not the plot. Yeah, and it paid, oh, it paid such tribute to episode four. Mm-hmm. And also, I am very biased because I saw it in the theaters the day I found out Carrie Fisher died and I bawled my eyes out. Yep. <sighs> so, um... How did we get on talking about Rogue One? Um, Solo and The Mandalorian don't feel like Star Wars movies. Yes. I feel like I'm excited for The Mandalorian, not because it's related to Star Wars, but just because of the intrigue in how they have, like, edited and set up the trailer. Um, and I love the idea of bounty hunters. They are so interesting to me. Like, there are endless amazing stories that you can probably write about bounty hunters. They are such an interesting profession. And, like, a space bounty hunter. Plus, like, Star Wars is how I found out what bounty hunters were. So, like, biased. But, like, it's so interesting. But, yeah, it doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie except for the fact that, like, it's in space. And it has, like, the space junk aesthetic. So, yes. Uh, and I don't necessarily think that that's a bad thing. I mm-hmm. think it can be a really cool thing. Like, going back to a throwback, uh, our Detective Pikachu episode, how it's really cool to have, like, this really well-established universe and see what else you can do with it. Right. And explore, think... explore something outside of the, like, dark and light conflict. Yeah. Because the Mandalorian is just a free agent for hire, and so I'm assuming that we're going to see a lot of the world that isn't invested in that conflict and all of the people who like almost don't care what's going on there because they're so far removed from like those conflicts and any news about that like we're just gonna see the mandalorian like going and fucking getting people for job of the hut <laughs> um yeah so i think that's and same thing with solo because it's before he has any part in the dark side or the light side mm-hmm. um But I think the problem is that because these are coming out between movies, it's really just bogging down the franchise, I guess. Well, I think that's what they're doing with Disney Plus overall, is they're almost like, like supply and demand. They've created too much supply, so the demand is going down. Because it's so much new Disney content that we're starting to become like... Like, we're numb to hearing that something cool and new is coming out, because yeah. there's something new, cool and new every five minutes with Disney+. Plus. 
like every week we hear another like this is going to be on Disney Plus this is going to be on Disney Plus and so like there's certain things that I am very excited about I want to watch The Mandalorian but there's so many things that they're expecting us to be equally excited about that we can't put our energy into all of the stuff that Disney's producing. Yeah. And then that then ends up being we can't be excited about all of the Star Wars stuff they're doing because that's a huge part of what they're doing. Yeah. And I know this is like, this is like me kind of battling with nostalgia, but like, do you remember growing up and it was like Harry Potter and it was the Hunger Games and it was like when we were really younger it was like the prequel trilogy and Lord of the Rings and stuff but every holiday season not even every holiday season it'd be like every other holiday season you would get like a new huge film and you would always just have the entire year to look forward to that and whenever you walked out of the theater at the end you were gushing about the movie and you were like it like hit you that it would be a long time before you got to see the next one and mm-hmm. we don't get that anymore and you would think that's a good thing but, like, it doesn't well, it's feel like great. You don't get to have hype build up to things because yeah. you don't have to wait for them as much. It's, like, as simple as it's not as special anymore. Right. Well, like, what it makes me think of is I feel like I wasn't as big of a Stranger Things fan until season three came out. And then that's when I was like, I will sell my soul to Stranger Things. And... I think that was because of how long the wait was between season two and three. Mm -hmm. Instead of being, like, a one-year turnaround, it became a, what, longer than a a year-and-a-half turnaround, I believe. Um, And so, like, when it got around to the season three trailer dropping, I sat in this living room and I cried, like, out of happiness while watching it because I got that, like, super fluttery, heart-happy feeling because I was so excited. Like, that, I got that, like, Christmas morning feeling because I was yeah. so excited that there was going to be Stranger Things season three. And I think it's the weight that made me so excited because I'd been without new for so long that I was like, holy fuck, it's finally here. Right. And when you don't have to wait, you don't feel, holy fuck, it's finally here. You're just like, there's another one. And that's kind of the difference. Yeah. Because with Harry Potter, like, we would wait, what, two years between movies? Yeah, because they would come out, like, every other Thanksgiving or something like that. Yeah, and so, like, that was a really long wait to get to see those. And that's why those were, like, Christmas morning movies yeah. where you got that feeling. Well, and, like, and I guess, like, Harry Potter had the Is benefit... Is this just the depression talking? Yes. <laughs> um... Harry Potter had the benefit of, like, in between you could rewatch, like, the other movies would come out on DVD, and so, like, you would snatch that up and watch it, and you would reread the series, or you would read the newest books if the books were still coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but, like, and, and granted, we can't do that really with Star Wars, except for you could, because there are novels, and there are games coming out all the time, like, mm-hmm. Fallen, or- Fallen Order comes out this month, um... And stuff like that. So, like, they could theoretically do that, and they just aren't. And even if they had, like, one every year, and if they were going to pump them out that fast, they needed to do the trilogy all back-to-back. Because, like, I don't remember what happened in The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Because well, if so they much, were going like, to do the trilogy, I think they should have just been the trilogy, yeah. and then they do a solo movie, yeah. and then whatever they're going to do next. Like, solo, not as in Han Solo, but just, like, standalone. Um... They, instead of interspersing them, because when I first, like, caught on to the fact that they were going to do this interspersing model, I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. We won't go a year without Star Wars content. And already before we're even done with the trilogy that's, like, bookmarking everything, 
are bookending everything, I'm already exhausted. Yeah. And I think the thing is, like, Rogue One worked so well because it was such... It was still a Star Wars movie, I think. Mm -hmm. But Solo... And it was early in this entire process. It was early in this entire process. That probably helped it out. I feel like Solo... I remember, like, that coming out and being like, that makes sense. Han Solo just died. Like, of course, like, we want... Like, whenever they announced it, I was like, of course that's when we want a backup film. But, like... eh, I don't know. It just, it's not working for me. Mm-hmm. I also feel like we should briefly touch on the news that the Game of Thrones um, showrunners <laughs> that got hired to do the next series of Star Wars movies got dropped from both the Star Wars movies and got dropped from their Game of Thrones prequel series. Um... No idea what happened there. I don't know if that's been released yet or not. I haven't seen more news about that. But, like, does that mean, do you think, that their plan for the Star Wars universe post the Rise of Skywalker changed? Or that they just dropped those people from those specific movies? Well, do we know what's coming out after Rise of Skywalker? Like, as a big movie? Because Mandalorian's Disney+. Plus, Right. Is it Kenobi? Or is there Kenobi a... Disney, <gasps> Disney Wait, is, there's a Kenobi movie. Oh my god, I forgot that movie existed. What's gonna happen? Oh wait, so all they've announced is series. Because they're doing an Obi-Wan series and a Cassian Andor series. Wow. I'm excited for the Cassian series, though. Mm-hmm. He's a good character. He's a really good character. Um, I have my own tag on Tumblr just for that actor, so, like, excited. <laughs> he gets his own tag. He's special. Uh... So maybe they're not going to do one right after Rise of Skywalker, which makes sense. Or they're waiting for Closer to Rise of Skywalker's release to announce, like, the next big movie so that they don't, like, take away the hype on accident. I don't yeah. know. Or, or take away the hype of Disney+. Plus. Yeah, I was going to say, there's so many Disney Plus things happening that they might just want us to focus on Disney+, Plus so that people buy subscriptions and everything off the bat before they reveal that there's going to be Star Wars content outside of Disney+. Plus. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're probably not going to get another movie announcement if there's more movies until after Disney Plus launches and Rise of Skywalker comes out. That'd be my bet. And I would assume they're taking a break between this trilogy and the next one. Especially if they're filming so much stuff for Disney Plus. I can't imagine that they have the, like, like the people who are controlling the Star Wars universe right now and brainstorming all those ideas and organizing everything for, like, the shoots and the casting and all of that. I can't imagine that they can balance more than this right now. I am exhausted just thinking about that. If you work at Disney, you are in our thoughts. Yeah. Well, honestly, if you're the people who schedule stuff for the MCU as well, like, holy shit, that's a job. I feel like that's a 24-7 job. Like, Kevin Feige, do you have a life? (laughs) (laughs) What do you do for fun? Besides nothing. (laughs) what happens when you sell your soul yeah did you hear that kevin feige is not only the overseer of the mcu but now the overseer of all of marvel including like comics and everything oh no so he is not controlling because he doesn't write it himself but he is the like overseer of all marvel media content interesting Mm mm-hmm and the guy who did it was a raging conservative so like at least that guy's replaced (laughs) Marvel tangent. I also feel like that's kind of a reoccurring segment. Yeah, that's that's another checklist thing. Do you have more points? No, I'm even more exhausted now that I've thought about the extensive 
Star Wars universe for too On long. On that giant existential note about the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Aww. Are you ready to shut it down? Yeah. Shut her down. I'm pulling the plug. I'm deleting the channel. <laughs> this is the last time you'll hear from... No, just kidding. Oh, shit. Uh, <laughs> um... But on that note, uh, if you enjoyed this episode, <laughs> if you want to be existential on Twitter, <laughs> um, join us uh, at Yes Good Podcast on Twitter, mm. or you can be existential through Gmail by emailing us uh, yesgoodpodcast at gmail.com. I also realized that potentially we should be plugging like all of the places you can listen to this podcast because we are on like iTunes and Spotify and you can just listen straight up on Anchor, but you also can listen to us on Apple Podcasts and a lot of other podcast streaming sites that we definitely know the names of off the top of our head, such as... You can also listen to us on Breaker, Google Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, Radio Public, and... That's it. <laughs> um, but yeah, you can listen to this podcast a lot of places. Um, and so, yeah, check them all out. Also, like, tweet us. No one ever tweets us. I tweet Antonio, you. tweet us. Antonio! This is a shout out for you. Grace told me that you enjoyed the podcast, so tweet us. Antonio, if you're listening, tweet me at Grace underscore Jessica, and that's Jessica with two A's. Amy's Twitter is at heyits underscore Amy J. That's A-M-Y-J-A-Y. I realized that if you don't put the underscore in the search bar, it brings up somebody else's Twitter. So, like, gotta start saying the underscore. That's why no one's been tweeting you. For that reason and that reason only. (coughs) Not because they see me, like, shit tweeting and they're like, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) And on that note, see you guys next week. Have a yes, good night. Avoid existential crises and... Pew pew laser guns. Pew 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 pew. Vroom vroom. I am your father. Goodbye. <laughs>